Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. I'm Jack Luke and today I'm joined by Stan Portis and Nick Clark. We three are just this morning, not so fresh, off the plane back from Frankfurt, where we have spent the last three days stomping around Eurobike, the world's biggest cycling trade show. From mainstream brands that you know and love to the tiniest OEM manufacturers, Eurobike covers everything from the truly weird to the oh-so-wonderful. In today's podcast, we'll bring you our personal highlights from this year's show. And if you want to see all of our Eurobike 2023 coverage, check out the link in the podcast description. But first... This was Nick's first Eurobike, and I'm dying to hear what this green onion thought of the show. So, Nick, what did you think of your first Eurobike? Yeah, I thought it was amazing to see all the different types of brands being represented, you know, from the OE stuff to the, well, top sort of SRAM, Shimano, good things. But the best bit of advice was to wear old shoes. So I took that kindly and, uh, yeah, dodged the blisters, which is all you can really want from a big trade show. So, Stan, your second Eurobike, what did you think of this year's show? I loved it. I love Eurobike. I love the travelators. I love the air conditioning. <laughs> I love getting lost. I love I love every every moment of it. I love falling into a little cave of content and not knowing your way out. Well, my two boys did very well and we've published lots and lots of stuff off the back of Eurobike and I really recommend you check it out because there is some great stuff in there. But for now, we're going to dive through our personal highlights. And I'm actually going to start with you, Nick. 
What was your number one? I mean, they, I'm, I'm making you cut down to two. I'm sure everything you wrote about was in the highlight, but your, your first big one. <laughs> uh, my first big one, I guess the SOS and Hill tax system that was released. I think it was good to see that. And having been a bit of an XC focus at the start of this season, um, good to see finally Tom Pidcock's bike fully mm-hmm. unveiled. Um, but yeah, no, it's an interesting system. But I mean, compared to the RockShock system, it's a little less complex complex yeah. yeah so they're using like a, a one sensor system so one accelerometer on the front crown of the fork um whereas SRAM uses flight attendant flight attendant SRAM rock shock yeah same same company um uses one on the fork the shock and also on the bottom bracket mm-hmm. um which I think also comes into play for pedal bob as well, where Suntour has yet to really mention anything. So what's the aim of the system? What does it actually do, the Suntour tact system? Basically an automatic lockout. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I guess it works. They came out a while in 2018 with a automatic drop of remote. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is more similar to like the specialized brain system, which sort of you know takes the worry and the complex of having to worry about the bike firming up for ascents. So for the uninitiated, uh, or specialized rather, brain system was like a, um, oh God, I'm going to butcher this, but it was like a hydraulic lockout essentially. And it was located down near the uh, bottom of the chain state and would lock out the suspension when you were just on flat ground. That's a very simple way of explaining yeah. it. I think this is essentially an electronic version of that. I mean, it's clearly done well for Pidcock, but he's quite good at bikes, generally speaking. So I don't know how critical this has been to his success. But yep, it's out there in the wild after months and months of teasing. You no, can, two years of teasing. Tokyo Olympics was the first time I think we saw it. Very good recall there. Yeah. You can uh, read Nick's full story on the system on Bike Radar. It is very interesting, and I'm sure we're going to see it plenty more under Pidcock later this season. We'll go to your second highlight, Nick. Poof. Uh... Well, my second highlight is the KS Lev uh, circuit, which is the KS's new wireless dropper. Uh, thought it was really good. Nice to see other brands entering that sort of market. Um, you know, the Reverb Axis has been around for a while, and Magura's joined in, but it functioned really well. I had a good little press down on it. Mm-hmm. That was nice. And what does it do? Is it is it essentially just a uh, cableless dropper? Has it got any kind of fancy automatic features? Anything like that? Works on a Bluetooth signal um again similar to others in the market but yeah it comes in a 30.9 a 31.6 6 uh diameter so it's got a little bit of adjustability and it ranges 120 millimeter to 200 millimeter and how does it compare in terms of price sorry i'm putting you on the spot with this one but how does it compare i in didn't terms get of price? a solid price but i think it'll be well i was cautioned around the, the sort of 680 euro mark Okay, that's considerably cheaper than the reverb. Isn't that about a thousand euros, something yeah. like that, roughly? I'm going to double check that while Although we're uh, going. But there are certainly some, uh, you know, tactile feel that is probably not on par. I'd say the remote was maybe a little bit plasticky compared to some of the other offerings. Okay, actually, I was slightly wrong though. The Rotrix reverb is seven hundred pounds RP when we reviewed it in 2019. Likely changed a little bit then, just given the market in general. But nonetheless. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. I'd love to have one like a, a dirt jump bike though. So you could just pedal up to uh, the, mm-hmm. the park, drop it down for riding and then pedal at home again. Any other sort of impressions from Eurobike as a whole? What would you kind of, um, what would you like to see more of next year? And would you like to come back? I think I definitely want to come back. Um, you know, shake some hands, see some small smiling faces. <laughs> <laughs> Boost your LinkedIn yeah, following even further. Of course. Um, but no, in terms of brands, I mean, I don't think it was the biggest year in terms of fresh releases. Yeah. Um, 
you know, there was a lot of stuff coming out of sort of DT Swiss and here and there there was new bits, but I don't know, maybe some big brands, couple mm. couple of big releases. I, I mean like Eurobyte's a bit strange like that because there aren't the biggest brands mm. and it you know, the value is kind of seeing all the smaller people basically. Definitely. And and, and, and like getting your eyes on things that you're just you're basically not gonna see. Because mm. a lot of a lot of shows and a lot of launches and all that kind of stuff, they're kind of from quite a small roster of brands mm. and companies. But Eurobike bike, there's a lot of walking around going, Who is that? Yeah. What why yeah. is that? I think that's definitely the highlight of the show for me. I mean, for those so when I started Bike Radar and when I was a young man in twenty sixteen, we did our first year of bikes, like you still had specialized there, for example, and Giant and Trek, they had their own stands. And as years have gone by, the market's slightly changed and these brands, generally speaking, will do their own independent shows for retailers. Now that's not to say there aren't big brands there, like SRAM are there, Shimano, Merida, Rotor, like loads of big brands, but the kind of larger bike brands have generally moved away from Eurobike. And I think there was a bit of an impression in the industry, like, well, what's the point in being there? I broadly disagree with that much for what you've said, Stan, where you've got to be more creative. There's always interesting things out there in cycling and you've just got to look beyond the mainstream brands. Even though all of that said, you know, we did see some stuff from pretty cool big brands. And again, it's all in our roundup and highlights. Well, we'll go to you then, Stan. You've obviously given us a little bit of a hint, but give me one of your personal highlights from this year's show. Mm, I mean, it's hard because a lot of the kind of roundup smaller stuff is genuinely really interesting mm. and exciting. And yeah, I mean, you just, you hear about things or there's all these kind of like left field small companies or people making really innovative stuff that is great to see and speak to and find more, more out more about. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the bigger launches from Eurobike, one of the main sort of bike launches, which was pretty cool, was the new Look 795 Blade RS, which is a new all-round race bike from Look. Um, and it's an update to the previous version. And kind of in a, you know, what we're used to hearing, but it's, more aerodynamic and it's Ooh. lighter weight. Yeah, oh. it's, it's those two things. But they've, they've done some quite interesting things. And I, I spoke to some of the people at Look and it does sound pretty cool. So um, the main thing that they've done is they've adjusted the carbon fiber composition, basically. So um, the bike now uses 25% mm -hmm. ultra high modulus carbon. And that's something that they did on the T20 Look track bike a very um, cool bike very cool bike and basically what this means is you can create an incredibly lightweight and stiff bike so uh whilst whilst also you know being able to create aerodynamic mm -hmm. shaping around like uh the fork and the headset and and the rear seat stays but it's just a, it's a very cool looking bike yeah. and the, the bike that they had on display was the one that team confidence will be riding at the Tour de France in a few weeks and that was painted up in the classic look colours classic Mondrian pattern very yeah. very cool yeah maybe because I'm just like you know an art boy or whatever but I, I did <laughs> <laughs> I did love I did love seeing that And but you know in terms of how much it does weigh is um, I think in a size medium it weighs 7 kilograms but that's race ready so that's got pedals and bottle cages and everything pretty impressive yeah the frame in your piece, you say a size small frame is claimed to weigh 890 grams and the fork at 435. Now that is seriously light for a disc frame. Um, that would have been light for a rim brake frame back in the day. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously we don't know the specs, whether that's painted, unpainted, that kind of thing. But nonetheless, like yeah. it's, it is 
genuinely light. Yeah, and I I spoke to Jean-Marc Hillary, who I think that's how you say his name. Uh, he's looks research and development frame expert, and he said this is the first time to get a bike this aerodynamic and at this weight for look. So Very cool. I'd, I'd like to see you smashing around, around Richmond Park in this bad boy. I would love to smash around Richmond Park. Ideally with those paired spoke Korima, Korima, I can never Karima. Karima wheels. Yeah, I think those the wheels on that look that I saw, they're the new Karima MCC Evo wheels, which also launched at the show. And who would have guessed it? They're lightweight, they're aero. <laughs> um, but but they're, they're really cool. They're, uh, for anyone who hasn't seen them, they're a kind of 12 spoke, car- they've got 12 carbon spokes, which kind of... Uh, come out from the hub in kind of a triangular section and um you know the the reason well one of the things that Karima said is they wanted to drop the weight on the wheels and using carbon spokes enables them to do that because they can um because it's bonded to the rim rather than threaded Mm -hmm. and under tension it means that on the inside of the rim they can basically shave away the carbon fiber that would have to be there Mm -hmm. in order to you know tension a spoke and hold it in place without the rim breaking i guess um so yeah quite quite different um i mean i'm saying quite different it couldn't be more different but they sort of make me think of those old crank brothers iodine wheel sets with a weird sort of half alloy half steel spokes mm. it's quite a similar paired pattern where they meet an almost the same point on the edge of the rim very very cool looking wheels and the combination of that frame with a low spoke count is is quite a unique looking bike what do you think nick does it tickle your pickle that bike yeah i think it looks really good but i'm completely with you on those crank brothers wheels but uh no it looks really good although i'm looking at this now what's on the uh inside of the room so i've just i've just got a picture up because i'm obviously checking your notes vigorously checking my notes because we did get up at half five in the morning (laughs) and like having stayed up quite late celebrating your bike getting up early it's quite frazzled but one of the one of the good things about Eurobike as well is the brands bring all this other stuff along that you're not going to see anywhere else and one of the things they had was a cut through section of one of the Karima MCC Evo wheels rims but I mean I don't I don't really know if many people do this or what you know but the carbon fiber of the rim is wrapped around a foam mm-hmm. so the in- interior of the rim is foam and what's the purported benefit of that don't know yeah. <laughs> no, I, I guess I, I guess it's a way to like save weight. Possibly, yeah. I, generally speaking, rims will be made with like bladders that expand. And I'm I'm probably going to really annoy some carbon engineers listening to this podcast, but um, generally use bladders that compress from the outside, inside outward rather. Um, I wonder if the foam is perhaps sort of deadening, yeah. dead, ride deadening thing, or to yeah. sort of reduce vibrations. But it looks pretty cool, and, and yeah. it is something I've never come across before. The one last thing I'll say about this wheel, which is you know. These wheels cost a lot of money and they're kind of spectacular. And, you know, they're basically a pro-level set of wheels. God, how much are we char- talking? Uh, um, they cost... Any guesses? Um, Without looking at my laptop, Nick. Um, three grand? Two, seven. Three thousand five hundred. <laughs> that's a lot of money. And that's four thousand two hundred dollars. One of the other cool things I'd like to see other wheel manufacturers do is they put a QR code on the rim, mm-hmm. and if you scan that, it takes you to because these are, you know you can set them up tubeless. Mm-hmm. It takes you to a web page where it tells you which tires are compatible. Interesting. And it tells you how to set up your wheels tubeless effectively. 
Hmm. Of course, um, you should be reading guides on how to set your yeah, wheels on I mean, bikeradar.com. But. Yeah, of course. I mean, if you just Google that, you come to bike radar, problem solved. But. <laughs> no, the, the tire compatibility thing is really interesting. It's not, despite Simon Bromley doing his absolute best, it's not something we've discussed in this, uh, the podcast for a while, but there is still a small degree of uncertainty around compatibility with hookless rims. So to have a manufacturer sort of take that by the horns, as it were, and say like, no, we've made a list, you can have it, is really great, rather than digging through websites and having to work it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. Very cool wheels. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Anything else from you, Stan? Again, the left field things at Eurobike are great. So the unusual things are great. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those was uh, a new bike from Moulton, who, if you don't know Moulton, they're British bike manufacturer and they're quite famous because they have lattice style frames so as opposed to kind of like a single top tube or whatever they've kind of got like a it almost it's like a bridge or yeah. something mm-hmm. of thin pieces of metal welded together and uh they've been around a long time but they had their new molten ns safari which is kind of like a gravel gravel bike 20 20 inch wheels gravel bike and it's the first time they've got disc brakes front and back it's very, very cool thing. It's I, I, it's almost impossible, I'd say, to describe a Moulton. It's kind of like, a, as you say, a lattice structure, a, a Brompton on steroids. But the, the combination of drop bars, small wheels, the Eckhar group set. Like yeah, it, full, full Eckhar group set. Such yeah. a far out bike. Very, very into it. One of the guys that was with us at Eurobike, Pete Sampson, who actually we wrote an article about his bike a couple of weeks ago on the site. Worth checking out. But anyway, his dad is a very, very keen Moulton collector, I believe. So he was quite excited he was able to share that with his father when he saw it at the show. Pete, Pete went to speak to the guy at Moulton and Moulton knew who his dad was. Incredible. Because Pete, I'm sure you won't mind me saying this, but Pete said his dad loves Moulton's, but his dad's a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> very good. What do you reckon, Nick? Uh, I've, I've ridden plenty of BMXs you know, down paths that they shouldn't be. Okay. So I would probably be skeptical uh, skeptical about a 20-inch wheel on a dissenting gravel. voice. Well, yeah. well, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm obviously not a Moulton spokesperson or whatever, but, but their line yeah. is, you know, it's got small wheels, but one of the big things that, or one, one of the things that's like special about Moulton's is they all come with suspension. Mm. So they say that, you know, the suspension in the frame means that they can have smaller wheels. Mm. And the suspension is quite interesting because it's uh, it works. It's they, they're basically like they're rubber cased in metal, so uh, there's like a sheer effect where as as the fork on the bike moves, it kind of twists the rubber and the metal, and that kind of creates resistance. So it doesn't work on compression like a shock, and that means that there's no bearings, there's no servicing, mm. no lubrication. Hmm, I'll have to, I, I might have to go and find a video to understand how that works. Yeah, but one last thing. That technology was developed by Alex Moulton, who set up Moulton Bikes, and he was an engineer and technology expert, and he did the technology on the original Mini. Cool. 
Cool. And the rubber suspension enabled them to create a car that's so small and with small wheels. So, you know, there's like, there's a link between the Molten and how it's a small bike with small wheels. And, oh. and to be fair, that did well on gravel. You know, yeah, it won the Monte Carlo, Monte Carlo Rally. There we go. There you go. Good bike lore. Well done, boys. Thoroughly enjoyed that. The Molten is, it, it's a very, 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 very cool looking bike. Well worth um, checking out. And perhaps we'll see Pete's father smashing about on one soon. For me, my personal highlight at your bike was walking through the halls. I saw these men wandering around with large inflatable helmets. They look a little bit like those helmets rugby players wear. And I kind of thought that is precisely the sort of thing that will do well <laughs> at Eurobike. Uh, and that's how I met the guys from Inflabby, who are creating, as I've basically hinted at, an inflatable cycling helmet, which they claim could be up to four times safer than a traditional foam helmet. Reason being is their chambers make up the helmet act to sort of dissipate energy in the event of a crash by deforming the whole thing kind of looks like a camping mat i think that's the best way to describe <laughs> it It looks like a fancy camping mat that goes on your head now the safety is is the thing that sort of interested me the most but for them their sort of usp is the fact that it's packable and it does go around down to around three quarters of its inflated size and their whole thing is going to be it's a helmet in your pocket of course, that's slightly ignoring the fact that you do have to bring a pump with you to pump it up to about one bar. But still, it's quite an interesting concept. And I think the safety side of it is really what intrigued me. Um, would you wear an inflatable helmet on your commute to work, Stan? Um, I think I'd want to know more about the safety, which I think everyone would want to know. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they say it's four times is, is this right they say it's four times safer than four times a safer foam than helmet mm. how I, th I think it's like so a foam helmet relies on the EP, usually EPS foam compressing or cracking in the event of a crash if you uh, fall and that's sort of ignoring things like MIPS liners that sort of thing this is different and then it's essentially like a big cushion for your head more like an airbag and I think it's ability to is absorb impact is greater than foam. They also claim it could possibly be reusable, though they weren't totally sure on that one. Um, the helmet's in the midst of testing now. They seem quite confident that it's going to um, pass the European safety standards, but we'll just kind of wait and see. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I mean, depends where you're riding, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, I can't imagine it's getting mountain bike certification. No. No. I think it's very much intended to be a commuting and urban helmet. One thing I asked them, actually, I forgot to mention this in the story, but I wondered whether there'd be a future in which that could be paired with a shell, you know, essentially replacing the function of foam in a regular helmet with an inflatable portion. They didn't seem so convinced. They didn't think it would really be an appropriate application. But if it's proven to be safer, you know, why not? Yeah. It takes away the tear in a way, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's well worth having a look at this one. It's a, it's a quite a divisive product, I'd say. We had a lot of really interesting comments on Instagram. Um, the one thing I will re-emphasize is that the valves on the back of the helmet look pretty DIY. I don't think they'd mind me saying as much. <laughs> the intention is very much to redesign that prior to it going and launch. And there's a pre-sale, I think scheduled for August, they said, with delivery of the first 300 helmets uh, penciled in for November. So like it is a thing, it's happening. The helmet is going to be out there. Um, definitely want to check out mm. the final thing I'll finish on and I'll invite you two to contribute as well but for me as Stan has already said my and I, I worry I actually said something almost identical in last year's Eurobike Roundup podcast but I just love the OEM halls so 
to give context, you come into Eurobike after walking, no exaggeration, about half a mile through corridors. You get into these crazy large halls and there's uh, two main halls, 11 and 12, which are filled with, I would say, say more like consumer products. But there's another entire hall called number nine, which is split over three floors. And that's almost entirely dedicated to OEM producers. And that's everything from like individual batteries, cable connectors, cardboard boxes, through to like shed-sized wheel-building machines and painting machines and well machines. It is just bonkers. And us sort of cotton wool-wrapped media types are totally insulated from that side of the industry. And it's a really interesting insight into like how bikes are made in a logistical sense. Like there'll be a dozen stands selling seemingly identical top caps. And like how does a brand manager come in and go, that's the top cap for me, I want that one. Did you two get a chance to look through those halls yourself? I did. I thought it was spectacular to see the variety of products you Mm -hmm. could have. Um, And also just to see where bikes are made as Mm -hmm. well. Um, I got talking to a couple of people and they were delving deep into, well, not necessarily sharing where they were building for, but certainly saying and hinting. Mm. I think it's just interesting to know that, uh, well, we obviously finish products all tidy and Mm -hmm. very cute. (laughs) But uh, no, it's nice to see people talking very deeply candidly candidly and well and in a lot of detail about bikes that you wouldn't really i mean we we look at geometry mm-hmm. components stuff like that but they're going you know thickness of walls for yeah, like battery yeah. holders but yeah i really think good. i think one way to put it is when you walk around like halls 11 and 12 which are you know shimano and all those kind of big brands mm. and it's all very sleek and they've got these like beautiful display cabinets well, stands basically. There's lots of like everyone's like, do you want an espresso? Do you want a beer? Mm-hmm. Everyone's smiling, shaking each other's hands, and catching up with people that they haven't seen in a long time. And then you go into nine, where it's all the OEM places, and there'll be like a booth that looks a bit like this podcast room that we're in now, <laughs> and it will just have like sections of aluminium, yeah. aluminium rims screwed to the wall. I love it. And then there's a table with like just like days worth of stuff all over it but then some some guy there sitting looking incredibly concerned (laughs) as he like strikes some deal with some manufacturer (laughs) yeah totally yeah it is like it's just you forget that there's a whole other other industry that comes before we see any of the stuff we deal with it for me it's the cable connectors i'm probably not exaggerating to say i saw maybe 15 20 companies who were just all they made were the connectors that go from like batteries to motors and that's it but like you have to get them somewhere someone's making them and you think like they probably make stuff for other industries and e-bikes is probably a comparatively tiny part of their market like industry is so big (laughs) and i find the whole thing just overwhelmingly complex the other thing I really enjoy about those halls is the really dodgy rip-offs. Like, there's yeah. some <laughs> such, like, blatant counterfeiting stuff. My favourite were the Van Factory 36 Forks, which had a pretty faithful reproduction of a famous suspension brand's logo uh, with similar gold-coloured stanchions, but clearly quite a different product. And I know you saw some hubs, which are a pretty clear copy of a famous noisy hub. And... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, 
I imagine it's a real headache for brand managers who are out there dealing with this kind of stuff. It's also, you know, in that hall, you also had, you've also got like all these companies that you've never heard of and they've got very descriptive names <laughs> like Taiwanese carbon manufacturer or, or like whatever. Yeah. But then you've also got people like Sapim in there. Yes. So you've kind of got these big suppliers that you do at, you are actually aware of mm-hmm. um, and they're kind of thrown into the mix in there as well. Yes. So it's, you know, come and get your parts basically. <clears throat> I walked past the Sapim stand and one of the guys there was eating like a Twizzler. And I think I was quite tired because I found that really funny. I thought, can the people in the Sapim stand only eat food shaped like spokes? <laughs> but I had also been walking for about nine hours at that point. <laughs> I was kind of ready to ready to wrap up. Um, that is a, a very brief taste of what we saw at this year's Eurobike show. As I mentioned, we have produced full suite of coverage from the show. And I'll put a link to our Eurobike hub in this podcast description. Final question for you two. Are you ready and raring to go for next year? I can't wait. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it unironically. I do really love it. I love it too. I think I'll take some sandals next time though. (laughs) It was a bit of a sweaty one this week. Yeah, I was almost tempted to buy the Eurobike socks this year. Oh, yeah. I'm well up for that. I think I'm going to bring a trolley next year. I had such a sweaty back for days. It was disgusting. Yeah. I might bring one of those kind of like ultramarathon vests <laughs> yeah, yeah <that> hydration <laughs> vest yeah little bottles on the side that yeah I have great. a camera in one side and then a pen in the other I love that yeah ultimate Eurobike and a scooter as well yeah oh god that, I, not to really re-emphasize this point but for those that haven't been Eurobike is so big like it's <laughs> so enormous like you could spend am I exaggerating to say it would take 15 minutes maybe 20 minutes to walk from the furthest away hall to the other one like, it is just massive. And we're very ready to finish up for the week. Um, thank you very much for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, send that through to podcast at bikeradar.com. We watch that inbox like hawks, and we always love hearing from you. Until next time, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends, or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 